you have a Bible, I want you to crack it open to Acts chapter 16. Last weekend, we started this brand new series uh, called Detours. And really what we said last week is that 2020 has pretty much felt like one really long detour for most of us. It feels like this is one of those years that feels more like dog years. Anybody with me on that? Like try to just go back in time. I know it's hard to remember that long ago, but try to go all the way back into the middle of March when all of the detours really got started. If you had asked me at that time, how long do you think this is going to last? I would have told you, we're probably going to get an extra week out of spring break, and then things will go back to normal. And so find something on Netflix to binge on, watch a little bit of The Last Dance, do whatever you want to do, but we'll be back to normal in no time. Almost 200 days later, we are now still in what feels very much like a never-ending detour, and that's what's so frustrating about detours. They are always unexpected. Detours are always inconvenient. And so they will take you way longer to get to where you want to go than you initially planned on. Okay? And so Thursday morning, I woke up, came into the office super early, had a coffee appointment across town over at the greenhouse on Porter. We got any fans of the greenhouse? Okay, so like my three tree hugger friends that are out there, awesome, glad you're here. Uh, This guy wanted to go to the greenhouse, we had a coffee appointment, I said I'll meet you over there. I'm just trying to make it from the church to the greenhouse on Porter. What I did not know is that cruising the coast came to Ocean Springs a little early because of all the storms. And so what do you think I encountered on my way just trying to get over to Porter? All kinds of detours, okay? I was on the phone with my assistant talking about some other things, finally said I gotta go, I am encountering one detour after another, and I've got to figure out my way around this, hung up. I just kept getting rerouted and rerouted and rerouted, finally made it over to the greenhouse. The guy that I was meeting shows up 15 minutes late to our appointment. Why? Because that's what detours will do. They will slow you down. They are unexpected. They are always inconvenient, and it will breed frustration in every one of us. But last weekend, I tried to shed some light to help you see detours in a completely different way. Because not all detours, especially the detours that you'll encounter in your life, not all detours are a bad thing. Some detours are a good thing. And I would even say that some detours that you'll experience in life are a God thing. And you need to know that. You need to know that not every single detour in your life needs to be this frustrating experience. See, here's what I know about detours in life, not not on the road, in life. Detours in life are unavoidable. You're going to encounter detours. And the reason why you'll encounter detours in life is because your plans for your life are not always consistent with God's plans for your life. And so when your plans don't match up with God's plans, what does God have to do to get you on the right track? What does God have to do to get you onto the right path or onto his plan for your life? He has to throw up a detour. He has to force your life in a direction that you do not necessarily want it to go. Tony Evans once said this about detours. He said, part of your destiny is understanding your detours. 
And so that's what I want to do for you today. I want to help you understand your detours and why God causes them in your life. I know they're frustrating. I know they're an inconvenience. I know they're unexpected. But God has a purpose behind the detours that he throws up in our lives. And there's just no getting around it. You see what I did there? There's just no getting around. Around Okay, bad dad joke. Let me tell you, the big question that we're going to wrestle with today is this one right here. I do not want you to miss it in spite of my terrible joke, okay? How do you know if the road you are on is a detour that God has made or a wrong turn that you have made? How do you know if the road that you're on is a detour that God has made or a wrong turn that you have made. And this is so important, okay, because I spend a lot of time processing life with people who are frustrated, who are experiencing some weird turns in their life, and they're trying to make sense of it. And inevitably what they'll say is, I just don't know what God is doing. I I don't know where God is. And I just want to say to them, I don't think God's doing anything. I I think you're doing this. And the reason that it's so important for you to know if it's a wrong turn that you have made or a detour that God has made is because you'll never know if you should continue walking by faith or if you should turn your butt around because you took a wrong turn. And so this is why you have to know the difference. You have to be able to discern when you look at what's going on in your life, is this a detour that God has made or is this a wrong turn that I have made? And so you go back to the Bible, okay? The Bible's full of stories about all kinds of different people that have lived in human history. And a lot of those people experienced detours that, that God created in their life. Probably the best example of this is an Old Testament guy, a guy by the name of Joseph. If you were to just read Joseph's life, it's like the last 10 or 15 chapters in the book of Genesis. You would read this dude's life and you would go, man, this guy's life is full of really weird twists and turns along the way. And yet what I want you to know about Joseph's life is that every single one of those turns was God steering his life in the direction that he wanted it to go so that Joseph could fulfill a much greater purpose in his life. Okay, so Joseph is living in his homeland Uh, Joseph has these brothers who hate him because he's dad's favorite child, okay? And so they decide, we want to get rid of him. And so what they do is they sell their little brother into slavery. His life takes a really weird turn out of nowhere. And so he gets taken from his homeland. He gets taken to this foreign land. He gets sold to this guy named Potiphar. He's... Potiphar's greatest slave. And so Potiphar says, man, I'm just going to put you in charge of everything. The problem is, is Potiphar's wife gets the hots for Joseph. And so she's coming on to him. But when he won't sleep with her, she gets mad at him and she falsely accuses him of rape. So dude doesn't just lose his job. He ends up getting thrown into jail in Egypt near Pharaoh's palace. And again, every single one of these weird turns in his life was God steering him exactly where he wanted him to go because eventually the day would come when he would have the opportunity to meet Pharaoh 
A man who was the most powerful man in the world. A man that he would have never met if he were back at home with his dad and his brothers. But he meets Pharaoh. He interprets a dream for Pharaoh. He gets out of jail and becomes second in command of all of Egypt. Okay, This was clearly a, a series of detours that God put in his path to steer his life in the direction that God wanted him to go. And that's Joseph's story. But listen, that's not everyone's story. Okay, there, there's another story in the Old Testament. It's a story about a guy named Jonah. And you look at Jonah's life, and Jonah is not taking a God-made detour. Jonah is taking a wrong turn. God told Jonah, he said, I want you to go to this city called Nineveh. It's a really wicked city. Jonah knew all about it because they were his people's enemies, okay? They were a brutal people who had mistreated his people for a very long time. And that would have felt like a major detour for Jonah. His life would have been forced into a direction that he did not want to go, but God wanted him to go. And so Jonah decides that instead of taking the detour... He's going to take a wrong turn. And so he, instead of running to Nineveh, he goes the exact opposite direction, hops on a boat, and tries to run from God. So let me just tell you boys something, okay? The most dangerous place that you can go in the world when you're running from God is on the water, okay? So if you're living in disobedience, men, listen to me and you ladies who like to fish. Do not go 80 miles offshore, okay? It, it is the most dangerous place in the world that you can go. And so Jonah hops on this boat, and he's trying to run from God, and he runs into one of the most violent storms ever, okay? He, he runs into this violent storm, and everyone on that boat is about to die until they realize that it's all Jonah's fault, that, that his God is punishing him because he is running from his heavenly father. And so those sailors say, God, forgive us for, for what we're about to do. And they throw him overboard and the storm becomes calm. But jo Jonah begins to sink into the depths of the sea. It says that seaweed literally wraps around his neck. This is God steering his life in a particular direction. Why? Because he, he's living in constant disobedience because he wasn't on a detour. He had taken a wrong turn. And God was trying to steer his life in a new direction. And what I want you to know today is that if you cannot tell the difference between a detour that God has made or a wrong turn that you have made, then you'll never know if you should continue to walk by faith or if you should turn around and, and pursue a new direction in life. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, this is the story that you run into. It's a story like the story of Jonah and Joseph, a mixture where you're not really sure what's going on. You're not really sure if it's a wrong turn or if it's a detour. Because in Acts 16, the apostle Paul, he does something very questionable. In fact, when I read it in just a second, you're going to read it and you're going to go, Paul, I don't know if you should have done that. Paul, I'm not sure that you should have reacted in the way that you reacted. And because of his reaction, all kinds of bad things start to happen. And his life goes not just in a new direction. His life goes in a terrible direction. And so the question is, is this a detour that God has made or a wrong turn that Paul has made? Does Paul need to keep walking by faith or does Paul need to turn his tail around? Look at the story, Acts chapter 16. We'll start with verses 16 to 24. It says, once, 
when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, here's the detour, and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, I read that story, and I think it is safe to say that Paul and Silas are on a serious detour, okay? Their life is now going in a direction that they did not think it would ever go. Some things things are happening that they really weren't expecting or planning on. They get arrested, weren't planning on that that day. They got beaten with rods. That was not on my calendar. And now they are sitting in jail. And it all happened because Paul got annoyed and he reacted to this woman. He cast a spirit out of her. She loses her ability to tell the future. Her owners lose their ability to make money. Paul and Silas lose their ability to walk around Macedonia free, telling people about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so the question is, is this a detour that God has made? Or is this a wrong turn that Paul has made? The answer is that this is a detour that God has made. God is using this to steer Paul and Silas in a direction that they would have never gone on their own. And there are several reasons that we can conclude that. First, Paul is not doing something wrong. Paul is standing for what is right. I want you to hear that. Paul is not doing anything wrong. He is standing for what is right. Now, I know that you read the story and that's not entirely clear to you. You're looking at it and you're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Paul got annoyed. And I know that when I get annoyed, it does not bring out the best in me, okay? It brings out the worst in me, okay? And while that may seem like that's the case for Paul, just being annoyed is not a sin in and of itself. See, Paul knew that this woman was possessed by a spirit, but not just any spirit. It was a demonic spirit. In fact, in the original Greek language, the spirit there is called the python spirit. It was a spirit that was associated with a false Greek god known as Apollo. And so while this woman was saying a lot of things that were true, her ultimate goal was to oppose the teachings of Jesus Christ. She's creating major distractions and all kinds of confusion so that people are more focused on what she's saying than on what 
Paul is saying. And like Jesus did so many times when he was on the earth, Paul gets annoyed that the demons are having their way in the lives of people. And so he silenced the woman and the demons, and he would not allow her to talk. Now listen, when Jesus was on the earth, demonic spirits would see Jesus, and they would speak through people, and they would say, Behold, it is the Son of the Most High God. And even though it was true, every single time, every time, Jesus silenced the demonic spirits, and he would not allow them to speak. And now the Apostle Paul is doing the exact same thing. Paul is not doing something wrong. Paul is acting like Jesus. He is standing for what is right. So I want you to think about your life for just a second. Life today may be full of all weird twists and turns. And so you have to ask yourself, is your life going in a new direction because you did something wrong Or is your life going in a new direction because you stood for what is right? Because if your life takes a terrible turn and all kinds of bad things start happening in your life because you stood for what was right, then so be it. You will never go wrong by standing for what is right. Now, I'm not talking about you doing what feels right. I'm not talking about you doing what seems right in your own eyes. I'm talking about us as followers of Jesus doing what is right based on the scriptures that we've been given, doing what is right according to the teachings and the example that Jesus Christ gave us. And yet when we look at our lives and the weird twists and turns that they take, a lot of us see our lives go in a terrible direction, not because we're standing for what is right, but because we're doing things that we know are wrong. We're not pulling a Paul, we're pulling a Jonah. And when that's the case, we need to stop in our tracks, we need to confess that to God, and we need to turn around and start going in a new direction. But when that's not the case, when we actually are suffering because we're doing the right thing, then we need to be a people who just continue to walk by faith. And so think about your life for a minute. Think about the job that you just lost. Think about that that marriage that is really, really hard. Think about that major purchase that you just made and you're going, oh man, I'm in a pinch now. I don't know if I should have done that or not. Did you do something wrong or were you standing up for what was right? Were you doing the wrong thing when that decision was made? Or were you doing the right thing? You have to know the answer to that question. Because if you don't, you'll never know if you should continue to walk by faith or if you should turn around. But listen to me. Some of you are sitting here and you're listening to that question. You're going, I know. I did something wrong. I took a wrong turn. There's no doubt in my mind. I I wish I could go back and do it all over again, but I can't. And so what am I supposed to do now? You'll never go wrong by doing what is right. And so what's it look like for you to do the right thing right now? Maybe you did jump into a marriage you should have never jumped into. Maybe you did take a job that you never should have taken. 
Maybe you did spend money you never should have spent. But what does it look like for you to do the right thing right now? Is God calling you to love someone who is completely unlovable because they're your spouse and you made a commitment for better or for worse till death do you part? What's it look like for you to do the right thing right now even though you're in debt over your head? What's it look like for you to do the right thing right now in terms of forgiving other people or asking other people to forgive you? Is God calling you to go to counseling so that you can learn, so that you can grow, so that you can be healthy? you got to do the right thing right now. In fact, I want to give you a prayer that I want you to start praying. Start praying like this. Lord, help me to do the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right spirit. Lord, just help me. I know you don't want to do the right thing. I know you want to take the easy way out. I I know you want to give up, but you'll never go wrong by doing what is right. So Lord, help me to do the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right spirit, because that's exactly what Paul and Silas did. Paul and Silas did the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right spirit. They cast a demonic spirit out of this woman so that she would be free from demonic influence. And after that, their life goes in a terrible direction. They get beaten, they get thrown into prison, and what do they do? They continue to do the right thing at the right time, in the right way, in the right spirit. They are not in the ideal situation. Some of you are going, I'm not in the ideal marriage. I know. They're not in the ideal situation. Some of you are going, I'm not in the ideal job. I'm not in the ideal circumstances, financially speaking. They weren't either. Their life went in a terrible direction, but they continued to do the right thing in the right way with the right spirit and the right attitude. Look at the text in verses 25 and 26. It says, about midnight, remember they're in prison, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They are doing the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right spirit. They're praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came Loose. Listen to me. When you do the right thing, the right time, and the right way with the right spirit, God's going to go to work on your behalf. And you have to believe that. When, when you're looking at your life and you go, man, God, where are you? Did I take a wrong turn? Or am I really on the detour that you have created in my life? You've got to look and you've got to see how is God working. Is God working for you? Or is God working against you? In this story, Paul and Silas, there is no doubt that God is working for them. The earthquake is not a coincidence. It is divine intervention, okay? Earthquakes may naturally cause the foundations of a building to shake, but earthquakes do not cause prison doors to fly open, and they do not cause everyone's chains to fall off, okay? God is clearly working for Paul and Silas. But listen, that was not the case with Jonah. 
Jonah wasn't doing the right thing in the right way, at the right time, with the right spirit. He was doing the wrong thing. He was running from God. And because of that, God was working against Jonah. He wasn't working for him. Do you remember the story of Jonah? He hops on this boat. He's running from God. Violent storm, about to die, thrown overboard, sinks into the depths of the sea. Seaweed is wrapping around his neck. What does that story tell us? It teaches us that things in life will continue to get progressively worse until we acknowledge that we have taken a wrong turn. And in that moment, at the depths of the sea, with seaweed wrapped around his neck, he says, God, I took a wrong turn. Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you and to your holy temple. He doesn't just turn around. He turns around toward God. And and so let me ask you, as you think about your life and everything that's happening, and you try to evaluate and discern, how is God working in my life right now? Is God working for you, or does it seem like God is working against you? In Jonah's case, God was working against him, and, and it wasn't to pay him back. It was to bring him back. It was God throwing up detours, going, I I can't let you stay on this boat and run away from me. You're going to get off that boat, and you're going to get off right now. I know there's no pier, but you're getting off that boat, and he gets thrown overboard. Why? Because God's trying to bring him back. Listen, I promise you this. When life is taking weird turns, you do not want to find yourself fighting with God. You want to find yourself in a position where God is fighting for you. And so you got to turn back to God if you've taken a wrong turn. There's one more thing that I want you to see, and this one is so, so important because it's going to shed light on why God puts detours in your life. Look at verses 27 to 32, the end of the story. The prison doors are open. The chains are off. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, What must I do to be saved? How do I save my relationship with God? I've heard you guys praying to God. I hear you guys singing these hymns to God. You've obviously got a relationship with God that I don't have. I need you to help me understand. How do I save my relationship with God? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Listen, I want you to be able to see really clearly how you know the difference between a God-made detour and a man-made wrong turn, okay? Here's the difference. God's detours will almost always take your life in a direction that is about meeting the needs of other people. But wrong turns are almost always about looking out for number one. When God throws up a detour in your life, he's taking you 
to care for the needs of other people. But when we take wrong turns, it's almost always because I'm primarily concerned about me. The reason that Paul was in the right place at the right time, the reason that God had steered Paul's life in this particular direction is so that he could be in the right place at the right time, not just to save this man's life, but to ultimately save this man's relationship with God as well as everyone else in his entire family. Listen, this isn't Paul taking a wrong turn. This was God steering Paul's life in a particular direction because there was a family that was going to spend forever either in heaven with God because they became believers in Jesus Christ or they were going to spend forever separated away from God because they never heard of Jesus Christ. See, here's what I know about our plans versus God's plans. We have a plan for our life, but our plan is for us to prosper. God's plan for Paul's life was that he would suffer so that someone else might prosper. And so think about your plans for your life for a minute versus God's plans for your life for a minute. Our plans for our life, it's almost always about what is best for me. What's going to make me happy? What's going to make me the most amount of money? What's going to make me the most successful that I can possibly be? What is best for me? And that's exactly where Jonah was living his life when he was running from God. Jonah was always looking out for number one. He didn't give a rip about the Ninevites and whether or not they would spend eternity with God. He only cared about himself. And you just need to know... Looking out for number one, it is rarely God's plan for your life. God is not so interested about what is best for you. God really is interested about you being in the best possible position to help and to care for other people. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not, this doesn't apply to you. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have to think about the example that Jesus came and set for us, the example that we're supposed to be following. So what was Jesus' life all about? Let me tell you this. Life for Jesus was always hard. It was hard on Jesus so that it might be better for others. That's his whole life. Spends the last three years of his life traveling around on foot. Scripture says about him that even the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He didn't have a bed to lay down in. He traveled around every day for three solid years so that he could teach people who needed to be taught, so that he could heal people who needed to be healed, so that he could love people who needed to be loved, so that he could die for people who needed to be forgiven. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, listen, that right there is enough reason for you to become one. Because Jesus said, I'm going to make it hard on me so that it might be better for you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what our lives are going to look like some days. It is going to be hard on us so that it might be better for someone else. And yet if we would just be honest for a second about our plans for our lives, that just doesn't match up. Most of us, me included, we have no interest in life being hard on us 
even if it is better for someone else. And that right there is why God has to throw up detours in our lives to steer us in a direction that we would normally never go on our own. See, you look at Paul's life, just think about where he was last week, think about where he is this week. Last week, he is hanging out in Lydia's home. Do you remember what I told you about Lydia? She was a dealer in purple cloth. She was probably doing business with the royal family. She was probably very wealthy. She had a house that was big enough to accommodate herself as well as Paul and his entire entourage. And she says, you boys are going to stay with me in my house while you tell people in Macedonia about Jesus. And the apostle Paul had to go from being very, very comfortable in Lydia's house to being very, very uncomfortable in the jailhouse. Why? Because there was an entire family who did not understand why they needed Jesus Christ. And the only way for them to get there is for Paul to be arrested, thrown into jail, hard on him so that it might be better for others. And so let me ask you, are you willing to suffer for a little while so that someone else may benefit for all eternity? Are you willing to let God steer your life in a direction where there are days when it will be harder on you so that it might be better for others? There's a guy in our church, and this is really the way he lives his life every single day. He's a friend of mine. His name is Tony Graham. And Tony is a guy who saw his life go in a direction that he never saw it going before. He was enjoying this really cushy, great, comfortable job as a pastor, associate pastor in a local church. And then God called him to be a chaplain where he would spend every day in the Harrison County Jail. I want you to watch his story as you think about your own life. My name is Tony Graham, and I am chaplain with Good News Jail and Prison Ministry at Harrison County, Mississippi. Um, spend my days in jail trying to share the gospel. Okay, when I first, uh, I was in the Air Force. When I left the Air Force, I already knew for several years while I was still in the Air Force, I wanted to get out and uh, go work for God. Great boss. I didn't even think of the existence of prison ministry. Me doing it was definitely not on the table. I mean, but I never even thought about prison ministry at all or chaplaincy at all. I mean, I was an assistant pastor, I'm a second. The full story is my dream was dying, right? My dream was to be assistant pastor here at this little church forever. And um, that just wasn't working out. I went and, and started working a different job that made me miserable just for a few months. And then I had to quit that, I couldn't do it. Uh, when I quit the job, I got back into jail ministry, and that's when Chaplain Joe said, hey, how would you like to do part-time? And I, I jumped at it. And I went, oh, I love jail ministry. That's awesome. I'd love to do that. Joe sat down with me before I was going to start on a Friday, and he just said, I just want you to know. And he said, you're coming to replace Chaplain D and me. And I thought that was a really cute rhyme, but no. <laughs> but if I come and work under you, you know, now I'm gonna learn from you and all of your experience, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a lot smarter because you're smart. And that was really my goal was to learn from him. And he said, well, you've got me for three months. I'm leaving in January. I told God, I said, God, this is not the plan. 
the plan is I play second. Uh, I support Joe. And God said, uh, you can play second. I'll play first. And, and that, that left me with a little, you know, I had no comeback. Um, how can you argue if he says, I will lead if you will follow? And I mean, even now, I mean, it's been years since that conversation, but it's very vivid and I remember it. And it's like, okay, God, if you will lead, I will follow. God's working on both sides of the fence here. He's working on me. He's transforming me as far as being willing and able to understand and follow his lead. Um, so I'm learning, but at the same time, um, I loved it, but, but I would have never chosen that. We make our plans, all right? We, we plan what we want in life and, and maybe even reading scripture and praying and seeking to honor God. We make our plans and this is what we need to do. This is how it's going to go. Um, and this is how you're going to be honored. You know, I've got my whole plan, God. And see the bottom line? You're honored. There, surely he'll buy into that. He goes with the part that goes with his plan. And then where mine goes awry, he says, no. But God weighs the plan. And he says, I'll go with you as long as you're with me. But where it deviates, you've got to come over. We think this is off target. We think we're, you know, going out in some crazy place. But it's like, you are going right where you need to be. You know, Philip in Acts chapter 8 left a ministry that was thriving to go to the desert where there was no one except one guy. You know, he talked to the eunuch. The eunuch was reading Isaiah. He shares the gospel. The guy says, can I get baptized? I mean, that worked out, didn't it? Philip's detour was God's plan. So, I mean, we need to just surrender. Let God lead. It's a powerful story, but it's also one that probably terrifies some of you. Because you think, wait a minute, God's the kind of God who might take my very comfortable plan and throw up a detour and force me into a very uncomfortable plan. Yeah, because life is not just about us. Life is ultimately about other people who will spend forever somewhere. It's about people who are having hard times, like this jailer who was coming to the end of his life saying, I, I can't live anymore given what has happened in my life. And there are people who are looking for hope. And so there are times when God will steer our lives in a direction that may not be best for us or comfortable for us, but it is better for others. And so I want us to pray together. If you would, bow your heads. I want you to process this message today with God. I know that some of you are here and you're looking at this message going, oh man, I took a wrong turn. Could you just confess that to God right now? Could you just confess, God, I took a wrong turn, and God, I want to turn back to you. Not just go in a new direction, but go back toward you. Could you confess to God that you need him to provide clarity around what does it really look like for you to do the right thing right now? God, I just pray you'll make it really, really clear. I know that there are some people who are in a tough marriage, some people who are navigating tough financial seasons, some people who are 
really struggling right now because of a wrong turn that they've made. God, I pray for those people in the room. I pray for those people who are watching online. I just ask, God, that you would make it really, really clear what is the right thing to do right now. And I pray, God, that that thought would linger with them every day as they navigate their way back onto the path that you have for their life. God, for those of us who are reluctant to follow you because you're steering our life in an uncomfortable direction, I pray, God, that we would see the purpose behind the change of plans. I pray, God, that we would have so much faith in your goodness and in your wisdom that we would be willing to follow you anywhere you lead. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, my prayer for you is that you become one right now. That you just confess that you need Jesus to forgive your sins, that you need Jesus to lead your life, to forgive you for the wrong turns that you've made and to steer you back onto God's greater plan and greater path for your life. If there's a decision that you're making or anything that you need from our church staff, I want to encourage you to use the QR codes on the table to communicate with us so that we can help you in your faith journey. God, we thank you for the way that you teach us week after week from your word that is so applicable to our lives. Pray, God, that you would just give great clarity to us as we think through the detours and the wrong turns that we've made. Pray, God, that we would know how you're leading our lives and that we would have the courage to follow. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.